Welcome to Linux Link Radio by TimeSys, the podcast for embedded Linux developers who want to simplify and speed up their custom platform development. Visit timesys.com today for access to our podcast archives. Oh, hi, welcome to Linux Link Radio. This is Gene. And Bunchy here as well. So uh, I know this is our, our summer schedule again, which is... Um, well, a little bit Very more relaxed. Yeah, a little bit more <laughs> erratic than our, our normal schedule. So we've had to work around Mache's uh, vacation schedule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's been. Uh, it's always my fault. Well, but it, it's you who traveled a lot recently. Yeah, I've been I've been all over the place for our customers, and yeah. uh, uh, so anyway, so we were finally here and and able to record something. I really wanted to talk about. Uh, uh, static dynamic libraries, link loaders, all that other stuff. Uh, uh, but Mache talked me into talking about um, open source software licensing. So, so uh, I think we're going to table that the uh, the other the dynamic uh, library thing for later. Yeah, I, I think that we've never uh, spent enough time in any of our podcasts covering um, exactly what free software means. I thought you weren't. The I thought you said we weren't, weren't didn't spend enough time talking about all the intric- all the intricacies behind. Dynamic libraries that and too. shared libraries. That too. We really have it. And I'm sure that we can cover that topic next time, or if we have enough time today, we can, we can start talking about it. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, so uh, let's, let's talk about, is Linux free? What does free really mean? Yeah, well, you know, we get this. So e- even for folks that, get, that, that, that have their head around the technical aspects, we still get this question a lot. Mm-hmm. And you know a lot of the tech people we talk to, I mean, they're completely comfortable with the technology, but then they still have to satisfy their their paymasters with the right sort of um, how can I put it information behind what becomes free and what becomes not free and what becomes open source property, and that's really an issue whenever it gets to uh, a software that may have a long life inside the the company and is viewed as. You know, intellectual property mm-hmm. that, that has an asset behind it. And, uh, yeah. and, and I think that, uh, you know, this question comes up a lot when we talk to people that are new to Linux, fairly new to Linux, um, mm-hmm. considering Linux for the next commercial product. Mm-hmm. And they are investigating what the GPL really means or, or free software, open source software. What does it mean to... Um, their project uh, obligations that they have to fulfill, oh, yeah. and um, how they can redistribute that uh, to customers. Can they charge for it, for example? Mm-hmm. Right. So, mm-hmm. all those questions arise at the beginning of a project, and every manager that's ever managed a, a Linux product had to go through this through this process, um, either himself or, or hired in our company to um, help them out through that process. Yeah. yeah, the cool thing too is, and I know this is probably the same for the folks you talk to, but the really cool thing is that the people that I work with, they're not interested in skirting GPL. Mm. They're really truly interested in complying, right? Yeah. And, and not because they feel threatened or scared or anything else, but just because they're thankful that they're able to get all the software and all this advantage through GPL. And mm-hmm. they want to make sure that they're both following the letter and the spirit That's uh, right. of the agreement. They, they want to know exactly what they have to comply with, right? They, they don't want to find themselves two, three, five, ten years in the future when they ship the product violating an, some laws that would make them liable. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. So I guess the first thing is the... the Sorry. What, what are you doing there? I'm just adjusting my seat. 
<laughs> so I guess the first thing that comes down to is the whole the whole free thing, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, for English, watch. I'm sure you're aware exactly how bad English is in language, right? So free in the terms of GPL means freedom free. Um, okay. Uh, opposed, Say some more about it. Uh, well, you know, opposed to price free. Okay, and that's the the first issue that that you run across. I know in here they say you're know, free as in beer, and <laughs> which I guess further proves the uh, nature of the English language. But so so free it means uh, free as in yeah freedom, right? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you can modify to, the code that you can do whatever you want with it, mm-hmm. as opposed to any money paying for i mean being paid for the software right correct and you know um, a lot of gpl software is in fact commercial software from the perspective that you need to pay to get it mm-hmm. and that's completely okay so again the um, the freedom is that you can write your program de- design your entire system that runs Linux and you can modify the operating system. You can um, build your application without regard to any kind of APIs or, well, licensing other than GPL or open source. But you don't have to, I mean, you can get that software for free, but you can also sell whatever you uh, assemble Mm -hmm. to end users, Mm -hmm. given you comply with the software rights. Yeah, and, and and the the important part is that whenever you agree to use free software, you're agreeing to the terms of, of of free software, so that the next person using it is also as free as you were with respect to developing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I find that one of the most interesting parts of the GPL for for the amount of freedom that it grants you. Right, the the one bit of freedom it doesn't grant you is is your licensing terms. Mm-hmm. Um, so whenever you get into GPL. Um, because you're using something that someone else developed uh, under GPL, you have to honor their their licensing. Mm-hmm. And what does uh, it mean? Well, honor means that let's say if you create something that's a it gets into the whole combined work thing, right? Mm-hmm. So, which is a whole other topic. We'll, we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit. But well, so, but does it mean uh, some sort of header copyrights? What's involved? What's involved with what though? With complying? With complying, with keeping uh, somebody else's credentials on the software that, that you're modifying. Yeah, we, I mean, you can't erase someone's uh, copyright work. Mm-hmm. You can't erase the, the fact that they created it. And when you comply, you need to make sure that all of your source code uh, that that they made and the parts that you combined in, right? So all mm-hmm. your changes are available to who purchases your software or downloads your software if it's, if it's free. So do you have to actually provide source code without... Let's say I have a product and somebody knows that my product is based on Linux. Mm-hmm. They didn't purchase my product, but they come to me and they say, hey, give me a source code. Um, it's, it's GPL. Nope. Yeah, we had to do that. So no, it's, it's available to your customers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, if, they're not, if they don't have a relationship with you, if they've never purchased a software, it's not as though they, you have to hand over whatever it is you've developed. Mm-hmm. We ran across that early in, in times, this is history. So w- when I was on, uh, they put me on sales calls, uh, <laughs> which, okay. So that had probably had something to do with sales, right? But, but you, you talk to a customer like, Hey, this is very nice software. Okay. Now give it to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and you had to explain to them like, well, I don't owe that to you. I'm more than happy to give you all the source code. Here's how much our software costs. And oh, this is, I left that to the sales guy, but sales guy, so yeah, we're more than happy to give the stuff for you, but this is how much it costs. And, and that's something that happened much earlier in the GPL lifecycle. I mean, most P 
people now, the vast majority of people now understand that you don't have the obligation to ask to hand over the source to anyone who asked, mm-hmm. asked you for it, but you definitely do have the ability, not the ability, but the obligation to hand over the source code for all of your customers. Mm-hmm. So the rule is that if you provide software in a, any binary form to a customer mm-hmm. to go to to, to be still compliant with open source licensing, mm-hmm. you have to make the software, I mean, the source code available to them as well. Yes. And it has to be in a you know machine readable format. That And, and you ha- if you have a compilation scripts, you have to uh, include those as well. Right. So you have to provide all the software pieces that you have used to mm-hmm. assemble the binaries that you pass on to a customer. Yes. So how does that situation look like when you approach the uh, proprietary components of your Linux system? Because there are still, of course, different applications and perhaps parts of an operating system that can be made proprietary. But how does that situation look like when you in that region of I'm, oh, I'm so- shipping a combined open source uh, platform with couple of proprietary oh, so so you like you so go back to the system let's say you have a networking system you have your super magic networking shuffler you know packet shuffler right yep. and your super magic packet shuffler is you know both you view that as proprietary and uh, something you don't ever want to uh, hand out the source code for mm-hmm. because you know everyone wants a packet shuffler and and it would uh, mm-hmm. decrease take away from your earnings and it's not a good idea to hand that out the the way uh, Linux works is that that packet shuffler. Okay, so let's go back to the packet shuffler because you really talked about. It. So okay. let's say the packet shuffler was developed by you know, a team of developers. You slid red meat under the door and water and whatever else, and <laughs> they did their own thing and they wrote all the code for that in, you know entirely themselves. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and that in fact is code that is yours. Um, you didn't use GPL code. You didn't. It's something that you wholly developed on your own. And because of that, you have the right to license it the way you like to license it. Mm-hmm. Even if it runs on a Linux system, it doesn't mean your packet shuffler is now officially GPL just by it running on a Linux system. As mm-hmm. a matter of fact, the Linux license yep. explicitly says that doesn't mean it's a GPL piece mm-hmm. of work. Furthermore, let's say your super magic packet shuffler uh, uh, depends on like printf and putS and some other you know open the set of C libraries. Mm-hmm. Um, the way the C libraries, uh, the, the way the new C libraries are licensed, uh, if you link to them, um, that does not make your program open source either. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's two spins of the GPL license. One is the LGPL. It's like Peter, the you know, it's like lesser. Yeah, it's like the lesser. You, you know, you know, for the saints, you have, you have the lesser and the greater, right? Yeah. So, so there. Uh, um, <laughs> that's how it works out, right? He's not really the lesser, but. I know. Yeah, but he's still the lesser. So, but it, you still have like the lesser version, and that mm-hmm. is uh, something that isn't as um, well. That's something that says, "Hey, just by linking to me, it doesn't mean you've made a combined work." Right, and, and it was developed primarily to deal with uh, a little bit more with the gray areas yeah. uh, of open source. Yeah, because um, I mean, when the definition of the Linux as an operating system itself, the core. Uh, kernel it's it's fairly straightforward and how you build different derived work or, or or how you can potentially write proprietary pieces and we can cover that today as well but application side which is 
which we just you just mentioned, is also fairly clear. If you write your own code, you you don't derive your work from any open source code. It, it's it's completely built in house by you. Doesn't link against um, with um, some uh, proprietary. Uh, I'm sorry, open source components statically, for example. Yeah. That's clear too. Mm -hmm. But what happens in between how you glue the application to a system, to the Linux kernel, that's where LGPL comes into play, right? Well, sort of. Sort of. Sort of. I mean, LGPL is more on the the notion of uh, uh, creating a relaxed boundary for the combined work. Mm -hmm. And so you sort of breeze past it there, but you get into the, you know, I'm going to link dynamically. Mm-hmm. Which means you know your program loads up. This is what I really wanted to talk about, by the way. <laughs> you see, we so, combined your topic into our. Uh, no, we didn't. Yeah. So okay. So so what happens if you combine? Uh, if you have something that links dynamically, you know, a link loader will create the references into this library. Mm-hmm. So in fact, while you're running, it's not really resident with your program. Mm-hmm. This this shared library, but if you would link statically, which means you sort of combine the things together. Mm-hmm. you would actually have the bits from this LGPL library combined with your library. Mm-hmm. And in which case you, you would have a combined work at that point. Right. Um, but if you still, again, if you dynamically link the way that license is configured uh, and written, you do not have what's considered a combined work. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something different than like system assembly, right? Mm-hmm. So system assembly has, to, when you, when you start to put together your Linux system, right? So let's say you wrote your magic packet shuffler, mm-hmm. right? Again, that was entirely independently developed, right? Right. You know, by your your team, and it may dynamically link with um, uh, with uh, glibc again, which is licensed under LGPL. Mm-hmm. So your packet shuffler, super magic packet shuffler, is in fact still uh, something that you can proprietary license if you like, and mm-hmm. keep the source code if you like, and then you combine that in a root file system with a with a Linux kernel. So let's talk about the. Uh and rules that I have to comply with for my packet shuffler. Um, a super magic packet. Okay. Super duper magic. No, no super. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> okay. So what are the rules that uh, I have to obey to keep that program proprietary? Don't statically link. Don't statically link because that would enforce that LGPL right. rule of combined work. Right. Don't, don't take other people's code and just inc- incorporate it verbatim. Well, assuming that other people's code is open source or yeah, GPL. That's, that's correct. <laughs> if you have if you have a team in another office that you shuffle right and meet under the door, <laughs> right. you can s- incorporate statically link, knock yourself out, right? Yeah. But right, specifically folks that, that have uh, open source software. Mm-hmm. Is there any third rule that oh. you can think of? You're making me feel like there should be one. No, I'm just I'm just trying to find in my head something. No, those that, are the, those are the two big ones. The two big ones, yeah. yeah. So that's when you... It feels like there should be three, though. Well, there's more when you move to a Linux kernel. If you, if you have an application that, that is structured in such a way that it comes as a userland application in part and a, a driver or Linux kernel module. Yeah, now what's hand. up with that, by the way? Because you're, smart, I mean, you're smarter than me, so you do the kernel you, you stuff. You keep on saying that on almost every podcast, and then you, you, you talk about those great things... <laughs> I was at I was at a show and someone said, "Hey, you approached it." Yeah, Machi really is smarter than you. Do you, you realize that? I'm like, well, yeah. Tell me which show it is next time. I'm I'm gonna go there and and, and let's see what I'll hear. I, I hear actually the same about you, by the way. So, so the uh, but 
but the kernel thing is important because this is and yeah. it's because you because I know this is your area of expertise though. But I mean, for user land, it's it's actually fairly simple because there is such that there, there's a there's a big wall between kernel and user. Mm-hmm. And but whenever you get into, into linking something into the kernel, things things have to get kind of fuzzy because I mean, you are in fact co-locating your code. It's not like you know, it's, it's not like a shared library. Your code is being linked right into the kernel there. Uh, that's correct, and it, it's uh, it's kind of more difficult these days to write a proprietary um, software that resides in a kernel space, yeah. primarily because um, of a derived work rule. Right? And, and you talked about derived work in terms of uh, linking with libraries, but a similar rule applies to a Linux kernel. So, rule number one: you can't if if you want to write your own device driver. Or, or a Linux kernel module, you can't base your work off of any other device driver, GPL, open source device driver that's out there. Okay, that makes sense. It, it has to be completely written from scratch by you, right? So that's rule number one. Rule number two is that you can't put inside the Linux kernel too many hooks, or too many hooks that um, would not be beneficial to other Linux kernel users would be there only for your device driver. So if, oh, okay. if you have, uh, in other words, you can't split your own device driver mm-hmm. into two pieces, uh, one which is proprietary and one which is open source only to be compliant with uh, GPL rules. Um, okay. The the part of a device driver that uh, is open source that 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 you open to um, uh, other users as GPL um, has to be very generic. I mean, generic uh, should be available to other users, and other users should be able to do with with it something something else than just uh, get your driver. So uh, let me give you an example. If you have okay. your own driver that is using certain bus, okay, and you develop that bus. Um, yourself, but the part that you want to keep proprietary is the device driver that uses that bus. You can keep the bus. You can you can start a project that basically provides GPL code for the bus and open it to other users. You will have to maintain it as um, as an open source maintainer mm-hmm. and promote it so other people that ride device drivers like you can use that bus as well. Okay, so. Once that bus is um, open sourced and um, it's uh, <clears throat> it's documented in, in how it works and applications that uh, it can be used in, that's an okay scenario. Um, again, um, today why it's difficult to um, write a device driver is that when you link with the code or when you use the code inside the Linux kernel. Um, a lot of the code has um, um, a licensing definition that says whether it can be linked with um, non-open source code. Mm-hmm. So if you write your own device driver and it um, has to wants to use an API that's inside Linux kernel mm-hmm. that is um, built as that it can link only with uh, open source code mm-hmm. um, you won't be able to compile your your driver so 
that's why it's so difficult these days to. You mean I won't be able to compile it? By the way, I, I well, you won't be able to compile because the code, the API that you want to use, yeah. um, will um, stop the compilation process, saying, "Hey, uh, your code, uh, this code cannot be linked um, with a non GPL code." That's a great big bummer. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, it makes it easy though to enforce, you know, to enforce compliance. I mean that's one of the key parts, right? So if that if that's your if that's your intent, at least it it forces that to happen at your at the compilation stage. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I think it's at the compilation stage. Uh, I haven't done that in a in a while, but I believe that that's at the linking stage where you want to enforce or you know combine the um, into a single binary and just not going to happen. Yeah, but. Uh, that's what prevents, in most cases, people from using API that's designed to uh, work with only open source code okay. uh, inside the Linux kernel. But I've seen in many instances companies doing what I've explained early on. They, they write specific buses. They, they write specific code that's um, open source, that's um, generic and can be used by other developers of similar devices that the company that builds that proprietary driver. Mm-hmm. And that's how they how they keep it compliant today. Interesting. Because then they can um, license the... Um, at least that's how I've seen it so far, mm-hmm. that they've licensed the bus as... Um, can be linked with non-GPL code, mm-hmm. which allows proprietary driver to rely on that bus. Yeah, and one of the interesting things I ran into. So I was at a, I guess, I guess they weren't a customer, but they were just a, a prospect of ours that were interested in Linux. Mm-hmm. But they had their own. I'm not allowed to talk about who the customers because, but uh, secret. Yeah, well, but they had a. Uh, uh, they had a what I would consider a completely sealed shop. Right, mm-hmm. they provided a service. And this service was, you know, they would go on site and they would do stuff. And in fact, they even created a lot of their own hardware in order to provide their service. Mm-hmm. And what drove, I've been to a lot of different places. I've never been to a, a company that had their own team of Swiss machinists mm-hmm. working for them. And they, they fabricated their own parts. And it was, it was, it was just the coolest tour ever. I'm <laughs> did you, did you play with one? <laughs> you know, I was it was pretty interesting. I went into the, the thing and it's like, you know, hard hat only, steel toed shoes only, whatever. So I was behind the, I was like in the uh, wimp territory. Now, they should have told me because I, I. Did they have to restrain you? <laughs> with, you know, they should have, because I do have steel toed boots, right? I mean, you have to have, you, you, yeah. any man has steel toed boots, right? So I, and if they would have told me, I would have warned them. So I could, anyway. So, but, um, um, but for a company like that, that, that they create software that's for distribution only to their employees that will never leave their shop um, mm-hmm. or never leave the, the confines of their company. A lot of the issues around GPL are, are no op because again, the, they're, they never have an external customer. And uh, so we were talking to this, this guy too. I mean, he was very concerned about complying with GPL and he's like, well, I never have to distribute my source code be to anybody because my users are all people that are here. I, n- none of the code that I ever make ever leaves my company. Uh, it all it drives the devices and things that enable us to deliver our service. Oh, I see. And I thought, wow, interesting. That's so an interesting have, business model, right, by the way. Uh, you, you know, so I mean, it's the same thing. Let's say you provided like Mache's cleaning service. I'm only making that. Thanks. Up. Yeah, well, <laughs> hey, there's a lot of see where we pay people to clean our place. But anyway, so 
Um, but you know, let's say in this in your service, you had uh, you know Linux-driven vacuum cleaners and Linux-driven window washer, washers, mm-hmm. and you made software to, to drive their equipment. If you never if if Mate's cleaning service was a completely sealed unit and you never distributed anything, mm-hmm. uh, you would never have to worry about what you did with your with your code because it just didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one would ever ask for it. Unless um, one, more, one of my customers, Gene, would ask me what I can sell in a vacuum cleaner because and, it's so great. And you say, no, I provide vacuum cleaning services. Yeah. Well, so that, that would prevent you from opening or widening your business to selling those machines. Yeah. But that's, that's, if that's not their core business, well, that's fine. Yeah. Some yeah. people, I mean, for, for them, their, their core business was the, was the provision of this, you know, the providing the service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just so happened that a lot of the equipment they used in the service um, was, you know, would be running, would be running Linux. Mm-hmm. They had a lot of fun toys there. I, I, <laughs> I, I don't know, a lot of fun toys. So we've covered GPL. We've covered uh, lesser GPL. We talked about glibc or, or C library. And uh, we talked about proprietary uh, device drivers and proprietary applications and the fact that you don't have to deliver source code to anyone who asks unless you have provided code in a binary form to them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did we miss any no. major well, you know, topics? There, no, there's that big GPL3 thing. Yeah. And you know, I was when we talk about this as as well and that's where you get into like, wh- like one of the big big points was tivoization mm-hmm. i happen to like I, I wish a lot of things were tivoized right do but, you have one? Oh, i have several tivos <gasps> okay we mean well, this is not commer- no, whoa, no wait commercial no <laughs> yeah this is not commer- you don't you don't have a tivo no i don't have a tv i don't have time for that <laughs> <laughs> you're like you're like that onion guy right uh, too many hours uh, on the plane, I guess. Well, you, you, well. Anyway, so the whole TiVo thing. I have a I have a buddy too. He wrote a he wrote a couple hacking the mm-hmm. TiVo books. Mm-hmm. Um, again, not a plug, but and uh, yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah. And uh, one of the things for TiVo is that they they did. I would describe this as being malicious compliance, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, which if you have children, you you exactly know what malicious <laughs> compliance is. But uh, in fact, for TiVo, they supplied the. Uh, sources mm-hmm. and explain how to compile them. But in order for you to get your build of software on their machine, you, ha- hook. Yeah, you had to go through their rights management system and right. especially encrypt the software and whatever else. And that's how they controlled uh, what software ran on their TiVo device mm-hmm. um, or, or their digital recorder or whatever. So, and in fact that, that they were, they did comply completely uh, with the GPL uh, one of the big changes is I view this from device manufacturers, right? Mm-hmm. In in GPL v three is you can't create a distribution that inhibits people from putting the software on the device if such a thing is possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you have the uh, you can provide instructions, but it, you know if you have the completely sealed device with no ability of ever updating the software mm-hmm. because that's a simply a manufacturing artifact, mm-hmm. that's different. You can still give people the software mm-hmm. and whatever else, but if you if the device in fact has the ability then you can't use digital rights management to inhibit someone from putting that now compiled software on the target. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the, you know, the hacking the TiVo uh, uh, books were around defeating the TiVo's uh, rights management. Right. So there's always, you know, if, if you have uh, open source software and um, somebody tries to do something like that, digital rights management, I'm sure that, because this is actually a very nice product, and if you if you really want to explore capabilities of it, you will. I mean, there will be a group of people that will will take that on. 
Yeah. But yeah. it's just, I mean, it's so GPL3, it's, it's, I, I agree that there are a lot of clarifications that have been added there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, um, uh, it, it makes it for people that write open source software, GPL compliant software, mm-hmm. it makes easier on them to, um, create and distribute that code yeah. to, to people, right? There for companies, I, I, I have seen a concern from numerous customers about fulfilling their compliance with GPL3. Mm-hmm. And there will be different reasons. Uh, and perhaps during one of our next podcasts, we can, we can bring up some of the, some of those examples. But, um, GPL3, for example, another area where they add clarification is how you provide the source code for oh, yeah. um, binaries that you, yeah, yeah. um, provided as part of the product. So, so if you if you host your binary somewhere on a FTP server, mm-hmm. you are obliged to make the source code available and can be on another server. And you have to point to that server um, as part of your product. So you have to tell other, well, your customers who use your product where they can find the source code mm-hmm. and scripts that um, can be used to rebuild that mm-hmm. source code. So that's another clarification. Uh, another clarification there was about patents. Oh, which, I've heard about that too. Uh, which was... is interesting because um, right now, if uh, whoever creates a GPL3 code and that, that uses some patents, my understanding is that they have to also um, provide a license to uh, users of that GPL3 code. That's correct. Otherwise, that GPL3 license would not apply to the code. Yeah, because you do have a rendering of the you have a rendering of the license meaningless through through a patent, mm-hmm. and that was that was happening on the GPL2 side. Yeah. So, which I, again is I consider that sort of an underhanded maneuver anyway, because you are in fact taking a, you know, great advantage of other people's work. Mm. Uh, in order for you to, to do that, and you're not moving that liberty forward uh, to to other users. Well, and very often that adds confusion because I mean, in, in uh, old days, because if you you get open source um, code, thinking that you can use it the way it comes because it's GPL, you build a product based on that, and then you find out that oops, there was a patent. So what do I do? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it it does create a or, or pardon me, it, it does eliminate a lot of the risk and issues behind that as well. So we're getting the hand wave that we're uh, running over time. And Again? Yeah. Okay. Well, so sorry we couldn't cover your preferred topic for today, but I'm sure that we'll have opportunity to do that for during our ne- next podcast. Well, you know, I, it, trips, we it, it just trips a lot of people up, and that's one of the things I've been uh, you know, ferreting through recently. Mm-hmm. So it, it was at the top of my head, and it's... You know, for for folks that are out there doing bigger production bits of software, it it, it gets them. <laughs> it gets them right. It's one of those little technical things, but yeah. um, uh, that that does uh, it can be a real pain in the pain in the butt. I absolutely agree. So let's talk about it um, next time. Thank you very much, uh, our listeners, for your time today. Yeah. Hopefully, you uh, we we didn't confuse you more. <laughs> Because uh, the topic of uh, being compliant with uh, open source can be confusing at yeah. times. Yeah, oh, we didn't even talk about all the other different licenses that were out there. And yeah, let's yeah. let's let's not start because <laughs> I see them waving again uh, because that would take us another uh, ten to fifteen minutes probably to cover yeah. those other licenses. But if you have any questions, please please do uh, write to us, contact us. Um, you can reach us at. 
Yeah, podcast at timesys.com. We, we get a, a, I keep forgetting that. Podcast yeah. at timesys.com. Okay. Yeah. And you can always visit us. I think we're at linuxlinkradio.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where the recordings are. We have quite a few episodes out there. Uh, and I think there there's a link you can say, you know, send a message. Uh, we do read all the mail that we get, which comes and goes in spurts. But, uh, uh, you know, drop us a line if you have anything or if there's a topic you'd like us to cover. Uh, we're all ears. So. Well, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll uh, see you in a week or two. This podcast was brought to you by TimeSys. Are you new to embedded Linux? Looking for a way to simplify your next project? The Linux Link service by TimeSys makes it easy to build your custom embedded Linux platform. Go to TimeSys.com today or call 866-392-4897 to learn more. 